So listen to this resume of our next guest playing for Coach Wells with Hidden Valley, Kevin Keats at Hargrave, Jim Laranega at George Mason, and Rick Patino at Louisville. Um, that's the reason we rattle that off, of course, is because if you listen to the first segment of the Fast Lane and it's up momentarily, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts, we, we spent quite a bit of time discussing, to an extent, Mike Young of Virginia Tech, but especially because... Tony Bennett and Richie McKay used to coach together at UVA. But uh, Liberty, and especially after the the win against NC State last night for Virginia, ironically against Kevin Keats, um, both of those programs, uh, you know, in a lot of good programs right now, it's the ability to handle the ebbs and flows of a season, especially when you get these streaks of adversity that can often pop up in conference play. Liberty 0-3 to start COSA. Virginia really struggling in road games. That dated back to neutral site and road games and non-conference play. But how you handle that and you know, the, the value, at least from the Bennett and in McKay perspective, of focusing on the process, focusing on the day-to-day, and helping keep your team grounded through that. So, the man that we mentioned a moment ago who played for Coach Wells at Hidden Valley, Kevin Keats at NC or at Hargrave, not NC State, Jordan Malaranega at George Mason, and Rick Patino at Louisville, is Luke Hancock, Luke Skywalker 11 on the social media platforms, to keep up with him as well. He joins us again in the fast lane. Luke, a pleasure to be chatting with you. Hope you and yours are doing as well as possible. Um, what value do you look back on from your time in high school prep and college basketball about the value of coaches that knew how to keep a level head and connect with players, especially during patches of adversity? Wow, that's a great place to start. Uh, thanks for having me. First off, i got to make one small correction uh, although I am a big fan of Coach Wells, and he's been very good to me, especially uh, these last few years. Um, I played for Chris Morris at Hidden Valley High School before Coach Wells got there. I'm an old, old man now, but have a ton of respect for him. I think his rec- record speaks for um, you know how good of a coach he was and just how good he was relating to so many different kinds of young athletes. But I think you know, in terms of battling adversity, um, I was a no-star recruit coming out, and I had uh, Division three offers in the ODAC, some D2 offers, and then went to Hargrave Military Academy, and I like to say I had to go get it out of the mud and, and work hard and, and be a role player that um, showed value at a high level, and Coach Laranega found me, and, um, you know, battling through shoulder injuries, um, being able to win the, the most games in school history at two different places, um, dealing with the ups and downs of those injuries. You know, the year we won a national championship, they, they used to do this thing in the Yum Center where I would hit a three and they would go, Luke, and the, the crowd would kind of do this thing. It was very cool. But at the beginning, I think I started out like three for 30 from three-point land, and those Lukes were not Lukes. They were boos. They were trying to boo me off the court to start the season. And um, we definitely turned things around, ended up winning the national championship that year, my junior year. But um, I think that kind of put things in perspective. You know, you got to trust your teammates. Sometimes you got to keep that locker room tight and you got to block out the noise. Uh, but handling adversity, I think the coaches that I played for, although they were both Italian New Yorkers and Jim Laranega and Rick Patino, they could not be more different. Um, and I learned a tremendous amount from both of those guys. You mentioned the learning part of those particular coaches and how to handle that. Um, at what point did you learn as a player? how to, to work with other players when those patches of adversity come and 
know that sometimes a coach may be yelling at you because they're pushing you hard, and sometimes that player may need a little extra encouragement, and maybe sometimes you know you gauge the temperature of the locker room, and the player may need a little bit of a sparklet under them. Well, I think it started really early. You know, my days at Hidden Valley, um, I got to play with Ben Boggs, who was a Virginia Tech recruit, and he was an absolute stud. And um, I had I was older than him, but had to kind of find my role on the team. And I was a guy who just worked really hard. I couldn't shoot it great. Um, I was athletic. I was a little little bit bigger, but um, I certainly wasn't a, a finely tuned basketball player. So doing the little things started early at Hidden Valley. I was uber competitive, but kind of didn't know how to be coached. And um, Coach Morris, Coach Parker, a lot of the other coaches um, kind of through that system really helped me out. And then going to Hargrave Military Academy and playing with guys that were committed to, you know, Florida after they just won two national championships and Georgetown and Iowa State and just all the different teams, UMass. Um, we had a really good team there. So fitting in and finding a role and, and just being able to realize, you know, maybe sometimes I go score all the points. You may not get all the headlines, but finding ways to add value outside of that consistently was kind of my role. And then going to George Mason, my my role certainly developed, had the ball in my hands quite a bit as a sophomore, and then really ran with that, getting to Louisville and playing with McDonald's All-Americans and guys that were lottery picks. Um, It was how can I fill in all the gaps? And I took the leadership role really seriously, Uh, was a captain for three years at Louisville, and, um, you know, we went Final Four National Championship Sweet 16 and part of the winningest class ever at a school that's won three national championships and put a lot of guys in the pros so um, it started early I got a great foundation from Roanoke Virginia that's for sure so you you touched on that Roanoke native Luke Hancock was a Hidden Valley Titan a Hargrave Military Academy Tiger George Mason I mean he's kind of been all over the Commonwealth playing basketball before getting to Louisville and he's gracious enough to give us some time here in the fast lane but the role part you mentioned having finding your roles For Virginia last night, one of the untold stories, it doesn't necessarily show up with gaudy stats, although I don't know if there are very many that were in a 59-53 game that went into overtime, no less. But Jordan Minor and his resurgence, he hasn't always lit up the stat sheet, but how much has his willingness to take on those hidden glory tasks, if you will, benefited the Virginia Cavaliers as they found some form now at 5-3 in the conference? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought him up. Um, I think his emergence happened in the in the other NC State game where they lost by 16, and you saw some flashes there, but his production's definitely picked up since then, and he's a huge piece for them. I think both him and, and Harris add another dimension they haven't really utilized through most of the season, but you know, you saw his impact, things that won't stay, or, um, show up in the stat sheet, but were hugely impactful, especially in overtime. The way he defended D.J. Burns in the post, giving him tough, tough, away from the basket, turnaround, lefty hooks. I mean, he gets to his left hand every time, but Jordan Miner kind of drawing a line in the sand, being that physical veteran presence, sticking to the scouting report. He did so many things in that game to help them claw out a win that they very, very much needed, protecting the home court. And that's 21 straight at home for Virginia, the longest win streak in the country, uh, for a lot of different reasons, partly who they're playing, but that atmosphere, um, what Tony Bennett is all about, what he's been about, I mean, how many fan bases across the country embrace like shot clock violations the way Virginia fans embrace it at JPJ? It's it's awesome to watch. They've done a ton of winning, 
it's a unique style, especially in terms of their tempo and pace of play. But they always have those unsung heroes that step in there and, you know, do things like Jack Salt did where you're maybe not st- stuff in the stat sheet, but you're hugely impactful on Virginia basketball and winning games. Yeah, it's really cool to see that because the stats aren't always glorious. Ten points, nine rebounds were there last night for Jordan Minor, but you alluded to what he did to DJ Burns of NC State and how that changed so much of the game for the Virginia Cavaliers. How much of an unspoken part of that change, Luke, is what that does to free up guys like Isaac McNeely to be able to score and Ryan Dunn to not have to be counted on as just a post presence? Yeah, you know, I think Ryan Dunn, I can start there. You see the the potential, you see the athleticism. Um, He had some stretches there where he took over the game on both ends of the floor, and you just want to see it go from being three minutes of dominance to five minutes to ten minutes, you know, to keep it growing. Um, He's a guy who doesn't have to, you know, knock down threes to be impactful. I mean, I I think he had 12 points and 13 rebounds, uh, some block shots, defense was there. Um, You know, he's a guy that that needs to affect the game a lot of different ways, not just in the scoring column. And then Isaac McNeely, they open up their offense when he is knocking down shots. He's a floor spacer. Uh, Reese Beekman has to do a good job of creating shots for everybody else. I mentioned Harris is a guy who who's going to be relied on more and more as he gets more comfortable and he buys into some of those defensive principles Tony Bennett's all about. He's going to be another creator for that offense. And so I think guys are just getting more comfortable. Certain guys aren't having to play as many minutes or maybe not having as much on their shoulders day in and day out. And that just frees guys up. I mean, mentally it frees you up. When you're out there on the floor, you don't have to take as many tough shots. So Isaac McNeely in particular is a guy whose range extends all the way to half court. I mean, you got to guard him as, as soon as he crosses. But, you know, him having to take a few less tough contested jump shots is a good thing for Virginia basketball. Um, I know he can open up the floor, but want the game to continue to come easier and easier. And that, that comes with everybody else playing well. Pivoting from the Virginia Cavaliers to the Virginia Tech Hokies, they are on the road against Georgia Tech this coming Saturday. We'll have that for you on the Virginia Talk Radio Network, by the way, uh, as we carry every Hokie game right here. But the Virginia Tech performance the last couple of games, uh, particularly getting a win on the road at NC State last Saturday and then backing that up against the Boston College team that's given them fits. How much of that Boston College performance was a great baseline for Mike Young's team of how to bring it physically and do so many of the fundamentals, including a beautiful thing to many of us who love that, 16 of 16 from the line? Yeah, um, they're obviously a weapon when they get to the free throw line, shooting the basketball in general uh, for Virginia Tech. I've said it over and over again. I think Mike Young's the best running half-court sets and getting guys open shots. The thing is, you know, if they are able to, if the other team is able to take them out of rhythm in their half-court offense, things get tough for Virginia Tech. And usually you see teams like NC State that have some quicker, more athletic guards be able to push them out from starting their offense right near the three-point line to starting it out near half court, and things get a little bit tougher. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to the athletes that Georgia Tech has. You know, Some of them are young, uh, but they're all athletic. I mean, they can all really get up and down the floor. A um, guy like Nate George at the point guard spot is long and athletic, certainly longer and more athletic than Virginia Tech's guard. So it's going to be a great matchup. Um, the castle has been rocking, you know, since I can remember going to games as a young man, you know, like I mentioned from Roanoke, Virginia, I think that's a, one of the toughest home court advantages in the ACC. But what I liked about the Boston College game is, number one, I, they really bought into the game plan. You know, early on, you go at Quentin Post, 
They got him in foul trouble. He only played 10 minutes in that first half. Um, they're battling through a bunch of injuries, a bunch of guys that are, are kind of struggling to find their rhythm through some of those injuries. But Hunter Couture and Sean Padula have been awesome, especially Padula in the new year. I think he's averaging close to 25 a game. So they're finding a little bit of a rhythm. Um, got to keep that going. Got to battle through some of these injuries and get some healthy bodies out there. But even though you have to hang on a little bit at the end of that BC game, like you mentioned, knocking down free throws the way they do, being really sound ball handlers, being good shooters, guys that don't make a lot of mistakes in that backcourt in particular. And then I, I do think Lynn Kidd's been um, a, a pleasant surprise. His, uh, his performance on the offensive end, his physicality in the paint, those have all been things that have helped Virginia Tech elevate their game. You said the name Sean Padula, and that is one that brings both joy and frustration to Virginia Tech fans, Luke. How do the Hokies, and Mike Young in particular, make sure they not only you know, work with Sean, but work with the rest of the team so that Sean is in the best position to be the guy that we've seen drop 30 points on a couple of nights as opposed to the guy that's contributing to the turnover problem that's also plagued them? Yeah, you know, I, I think in the new year, though, he's been in the attack mode constantly. I, I, he keeps the defense on their heels at all times because I don't know if there's another guy in the league that's as small as he is that finds a way to get as many layups as Sean Padula does. I know the turnovers are there, but that's because he has the ball in his hands so much. Um, and since the new year, it's, it's 26 points, 32 points, 33 points, 18, 13, 16. He's got assist numbers that are 7, 5, 9, 4. I mean, he's doing so much for this team. Um, I think they just need to get him some rest, honestly. He's playing a, a tremendous amount of minutes. Uh, and I think as Hunter Couture gets his rhythm back coming off of his injury, he gets to take some of that that pressure off of Sean, and, and that's got to be the big key. Hunter's done so much in college basketball, former Everett Case Award winner in the ACC tournament. Um, he's got to get these guys mentally prepared for a late-season run here, a late-conference season run, and be playing their best basketball towards the end. But um, I have faith in him because that's what veteran guards do, and everybody says, you know, you win in March with those veteran guards, guys like Hunter Couture pivoting, and Pivoting out of the Commonwealth with ACC Network analyst Luke Hancock, Roanoke native, proud of that, by the way. And he's at Luke Skywalker 11 to connect with him on his social media platforms. We've got that up at Fast Lane Ed Lane if you want to access that more easily because it's worth, re, worth following Luke's work on social as well. But North Carolina right now, are they the team in the ACC most equipped to make a deep run in March, in addition to being the team that we know right now is at the top of the conference? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, they're, they're definitely playing uh, the best in the ACC. Um, they're, they're just a complete team right now. You know, we knew that they could score. We knew they had weapons. But lately what's been really propelling them to these awesome performances is their defense. You know, Tony Bennett is known for having one of the best defenses in the country every year. That has a lot to do with tempo. You know, when you slow it down so much, you make teams work that much, they're going to be um, scoring-wise one of the best defenses in the country. But you go look at the, the percentages from two and three field goal percentage defense, and UNC is at the top of the list in the conference. And I think Harrison Ingram's been a big X factor for them. Uh, R.J. Davis is playing like not just one of the best, but the best guard in the entire country. Um, and the, the thing with them, I mentioned tempo, you have to score with UNC. They can defend at a high level, but if you can't consistently put up you know, 75-plus points, UNC is going to be almost impossible to beat. And they have so many weapons 
so much depth in both the backcourt and the frontcourt. I've just been really impressed with them lately. And even the things that they're saying post-game about their teammates and about the, the cohesiveness of this group, UNC looks really, really impressive right now. Are they the best team, not just in the ACC, but are they a team that can withstand the Duke Blue Devils if Duke gets back to full health, which we know has been a dodgy thing, particularly with the Jeremy Roach injury? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, we know about the Duke-UNC rivalry. The game is going to be great, and and Duke will bring it. But I'm not saying red alert, but if you look at who Duke's played sitting at 5-2 and in the conference – um, it's not like they've been through the gauntlet just yet, and they've had a couple tough losses. I mean, they, they've played Syracuse, but they've played Pittsburgh twice, who's down near the bottom. They've played Georgia Tech twice, having lost one of those games and, and really had to hang on for dear life in the other one. They've played Louisville, who's absolutely dead last in the conference. So Duke's not really been tested that much just yet, um, and, and it's coming. So they need to get healthy. I think that they have elite talent. Um, injuries in the front court certainly more impactful than some of those injuries in the back court. But guys like Jeremy Roach, you saw they were up 18 in that last game against Louisville. He comes out of the game, puts the ice bag on, has the ankle injury, which didn't seem very extreme, but certainly something to keep an eye on. And then Louisville comes back and makes it a, a two-possession game there in the second half. Not that it was ever really in trouble, but, but certainly closer than John Shire would like. So um, I'm not saying red alert. But Duke's certainly not been as crisp as UNC has lately, and they need to get healthy more than anything just to develop that cohesiveness. I mean, you've seen without Mark Mitchell in particular, Duke just not having that Swiss Army knife guy that can do a little bit of everything and fill in the gaps hasn't looked quite as good. Wrapping things up on this question with ACC Network analyst Luke Skywalker11 is his Twitter handles, but Luke Hancock, ACC Network analyst. Who from the ACC, we've touched on Virginia and Virginia Tech, we touched on Duke and Carolina. Who is the team or who are a couple of teams that you believe are kind of lurking right now, but when we look up in about a month from now and we're a few weeks out from the ACC men's basketball tournament where we should be going, oh, that team's now in the discussion as a top team in the conference. Yeah, I think there's a few. I think the balance in the ACC has been really impressive. I mean, there is a huge just kind of glut of teams that are right there, three and four, four and four, five and three. And you also add Florida State, who started out the season really struggling, but now looks like typical Florida State. I'll start with them. This looks like typical Leonard Hamilton team. Maybe not with the elite talent of Scotty Barnes, Devin Vassell, uh, Patrick Williams, Gavin Yelly, maybe not with that lottery pick type talent, but they're playing a ton of guys. Jameer Watkins is playing absolutely incredible basketball. I saw he had a double-double, 25 points, and uh, had the rebounds to get the double-double. And he had the, the first 25-point double-double since Al Horford did it. That's a long, long time ago. So Florida State is starting to play really well. They're starting to pick it up on the offensive end. A guy like Primo Spears has really been impactful for them. Sitting six and two, uh, you got to watch out for those guys. And then there's a few teams that we've seen play great basketball at times, but have have hit some adversity through through part of this season. I think Wake Forest is really good, a team that brought back Monsanto, who was I think the best shooter in the ACC last year, and he's going to continue to get in rhythm. Uh, Miami, North Chad O'Meara was on an absolute mission last game. Uh, they certainly have the pieces to the puzzle, although depth. Uh, is a concern, so you look at foul trouble or injuries there. And then the last one I'll mention is Clemson. Um, they, they look like a complete team at times. Uh, if the defense is there, 
they can beat anybody in the league because we know they can shoot the basketball and they've got mismatch problems galore starting with Chauncey Wiggins and P.J. Hall. So, um, you know, if they play like the team that went into Alabama and beat them, Clemson can beat anybody, but got to pick it up on the defensive end, and, and they've got to pick up the physicality. They haven't quite been there in the last few games, but I love the balance in the league. There's quite a few names that can make that run. Luke, that's wonderful to hear. It'll make it fun as we follow the stretch run coming up of ACC basketball play. We're right into the meat of conference action, and of course, we'll follow your insight at the Luke Skywalker 11 Twitter and Instagram, and on the ACC Network. Luke, a pleasure to have you back in the fast lane, and I'll think of you next week like I did yesterday when I'm over in the Roanoke area. I hope so, man. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again soon. Our, ple- our pleasure. Luke Luke Hancock from the ACC Network with us in the fast lane. I keep saying Luke Skywalker because it's such a cool Twitter handle. Luke Skywalker 11, to be specific. When we come back in the fast lane, we're going to table those thoughts that we had at Fastlane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram with our post today on the Detroit Lions. We'll do that tomorrow uh, because Trey and I will also give our projections for that game. But when we return, other topics, plenty more NFL-related topics as the coaching carousel is slowing down, but not yet in D.C. as we return on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.